you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The Around the NFL podcast starts now, according to NFL media insider Ian Rappaport. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal, and I'm joined by one hero here in the studio and one hero on the phone live from Seattle. What is happening? Hey, Dan. <laughs> Did you even introduce us? Yeah. I'm Dan Anderson. I'm the, I'm the one in Seattle. You're, you're Dan. We're all over the place. This is a different sort of show. We've got Chris Wesseling here. We're taping this after the Thursday night kickoff where the Seahawks took care of business over Green Bay. Dan's in Seattle. He's going to tell us what he heard in the locker room. And then we're going to go back a little earlier in our time machine to where Mark Sessler was with us and preview each and every game for week one. So it's going to be that a big show. Fun. And by the way, right now I'm talking to you from the now vacant Green Bay Packers coaching box <laughs> above the field, high above the Clink CenturyLink field, and you could sense and smell the sorrow in the booth. Mm. So that's the very spot where Dom Capers was dialing up ineffective defenses for Green Bay tonight. <laughs> I could smell the Teflon, Teflon Dom, I call it. <laughs> uh, so let's get into it. Let's talk first about the game, and then, Dan, we'll get into your uh, impressions of what it was like to be there in the locker room and everything. Um, we'll start with you, Dan. Anything surprise you about this game? Any big takeaways watching it? I guess, from, from I guess my above? big takeaway, especially as someone who uh, I'm, I'm officially the first around the NFL member to, to lose a hero pick. Uh, I thought the Packers would win, mm. and I also thought if they lost, it would be a close game. I thought this was a field goal game. But as Chris Wessling wrote on the Around the NFL page, I already read his uh, his piece on it, which I really enjoyed. I mean, it just they kind of were exposed in this game as not quite ready for this stage anyway. I'm not ready to write the Packers off, but it was a deeply disappointing effort from a team that had a lot of hype coming into Thursday night. Here, I guess my takeaway is, the Seahawks look like the best team in the NFL again. And if the Packers were a Super Bowl contender, they're going to have to go back into Seattle again in January 
and it's going to end the same way this game ended. Well, that, it's a little know, early said, to I say I said that. on the pod, a prior podcast that I jokingly called it a must-win game for the Packers, but, yeah, like the whole thing I was thinking was this is such a good Packers team that they were going to have that home field advantage, but now they're in a legitimately tough spot. They're going to have to win more games than the Seahawks, and how many games are the Seahawks going to lose? Three? Maybe four? That there, There's a lot to get to here. I mean, that it's a long, long season. And I hear you. To me, it said more about the Seahawks than it really did about the Packers. Uh, it just showed – I mean, they were ready to go. The Seahawks have a habit of embarrassing team, of making teams look like also-rans. They made the best high-scoring offense in NFL history. They couldn't even get double digits against Seattle. So they were primed. They were ready to go. Their offense, I think, can be better this year. And the Packers weren't ready for that. But they weren't ready for that in week one. doesn't mean they're not going to be ready for that later in the season. Well, they better hope the right tackle isn't seriously injured because Derek Sherrod cannot protect against NFL-caliber pass rushers. And they better hope they're – I asked Michael Bennett downstairs if uh, he could sense that uh, Mr. Sherrod was – someone that was going to struggle once he came into the game. And Bennett's answer was he knew as soon as he came on the field that Sherrod was in trouble. Mm. And uh, sure enough, we saw what happened. That's why we sent you to Seattle to get the inside goodies. That's good stuff. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm, you know, Mark Sessler is not the only intrepid reporter. Ooh. You, you, do, you are the only uh, around-the-NFL writer with a true journalism background, I believe. That's, that's true. Never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just was impressed by the Seahawks' offense, too. Maybe that's the thing that could be different this year, that their offensive line could be better, because Marshawn Lynch had huge holes to run through. It didn't matter who was running. Percy Harvin went 4 for 41. Robert Turbin had a bunch of good runs. They went over 200 yards. If their offensive line is that good and Percy Harvin's healthy, the offense should be a lot better this year. It's not just the offensive line. It's the threat of Percy Harvin going in motion on those jet sweeps and bubble screens and taking all that attention away from Marshawn Lynch. And I don't want to jump around too much, but I just wanted to run something about you guys. The Packers very clearly sacrificed Boykin today, lined him up against Richard Sherman, left him on an island, which is obviously unfair, and Boykin, uh, by all accounts, dropped off the face of the earth. He might as, not, <laughs> might as well not even been in the stadium. But he's also their third best wide receiver. I'm curious if that's something we're going to see other teams employ when they're facing Seattle. If they don't, they don't want to move Sherman. It, are, are teams going to start doing this? It's like almost daring them to change their game game plan up. I don't think that's a legitimate concern because no one else has Earl Thomas. Hmm. Mm, good call. Well, and and ultimately, you have to beat Byron Maxwell, and they didn't. They keep plays in front of the Seahawks. Keep play the plays in front of them. They don't give up any yards after the catch. So no one's really hurt Sherman and Maxwell for doing this strategy. And why not? I mean, the C- it doesn't seem like it's a great trade-off for Seattle, but you're basically locking down half the field. That's not bad. You're locking down half the field, but then I guess a stack team, I guess they're not too many stack teams like Green Bay, but they then get the other side of the field. But it didn't matter today, obviously, because Seattle still has this pass rush and and they did the job, so there's nothing you could possibly complain about, ultimately. No. What, what was the uh, the feel in – you went on the field during the game, is that right? Yeah, I went on the field. I thought I was surprised when I picked up my press credential at the in the hotel lobby. It was left behind the desk for Mr. Hansis, and I picked it up. And when it said all access, including on field during game, I was like, wow, Greg mm-hmm. Rosenthal, this guy – what a, what a boss. <laughs> All I do is win, 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 no matter what. 
So I knew at that moment that, you know, because I don't consider myself, although, like you said, I have journalist background, uh, it, the, the press box is a little stuffy for me. Yeah. It's closed up and windows. It's almost, it's almost a shame to be locked behind the air-conditioned glass and it's basically soundproof upstairs. But So I made sure to get down the stairs, and it's outrageous how loud this place is. And we knew that. But to truly experience it and be there, I even tested myself at one point and just screamed. It was like uh, in Garden State when uh, Zach Braff screams into the infinite abyss. <laughs> I did it. I pulled the brass. I brassed it out. Couldn't hear myself. It was that loud. Wow. And it, it was so loud, it almost moved Dan Hansis's hair. <laughs> but not quite. I mean, that's why he doesn't want to be in the press box. It's a shame. That, that, that hair should be out in the elements. I know. I know. You're right. And you know, I, I do give... <laughs> There's, give Aaron Rodgers credit in the Packers' offense. Um, I did, you know, you watch closely with that type of noise, especially obviously when the Packers had the ball. They didn't seem like a team that was caught off guard by the noise this time, which Mike McCarthy had told Mike Silver uh, in a piece on NFL.com uh, that they were caught by surprise back in the Fail Mary game when mm. Rodgers took eight sacks in the first half on that Monday night. Uh, they didn't seem to be jumpy or have a communication problem so much, but. Uh, the noise was just outrageous, and I, I don't. There's no stadium that comes close to that. Yeah, the injuries I think for the Packers are the biggest concern. I really am not that concerned that they got outclassed. They, you know, they were outclassed. What did you say in the article, Wes? You called them fraudulent pretenders or something. Let's not get carried that away. Seems, that seems heavy. I I do think they were exposed for for now in Seattle. Everyone's going to get exposed. They got exposed a as a team that isn't on the Seahawks level. Right now, that's absolutely true. Well, the whole phrase was exposed as con- as pretenders masquerading as contenders to the NFL throne. <laughs> wow. And the Seahawks ha- are sitting in the throne. The This Packers team cannot unseat them right now. Right now, that's true. Dan and I both picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl. I am sticking hard behind that. I, I would be worried that Eddie Lacy has a second concussion. Uh, Mike McCarthy confirmed it after the game. He had a concussion last year, so we'll see how long he'll be gone. They're pretty deep at the position. I think they can survive there. Balaga, they don't believe it's a serious injury, which would which would be great news if he can get back in the lineup because you mentioned they're thin. They lost Don Barkley, their, their swing tackle, before the season, so they're thin at that position. But to me, it's just like Seattle was an all-time great team, and they were the youngest Super Bowl champions in NFL history. Like there's a reason. I mean, they can get a lot better. And and back to when I was in the locker room, another guy. They have so many stars on defense. Uh, the next guy that that we might see played up a little bit more, Bobby Wagner. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Sherman after the game. Obviously, the crowd forms around his locker immediately. He was he made a point of it to say Bobby Wagner had 15 tackles. He's all over the field. And then a short time later, he comes walking towards uh, NFL Networks. Mike Silver, who was talking to Wagner, and he goes. Hey, Mike Silver, get Bobby Wagner on the Pro Bowl. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we should do that. Wagner was da- – I mean, he was covering wide receivers down the field 50 yards and stuff. Well, but, he was tackling wide receivers right. before the ball came. Yeah, that was, that was a little bit of a miss. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, great week one. Is there any, any final thoughts and takeaways uh, from Seattle before we step into our time machine, Dan? Lovely little city. Okay. Great walkable city. I, I went on a solo sightseeing tour uh, down by the the market and uh, where they have the fish throwing and all that stuff. Wasn't Shek and I? I was gonna uh, say, wasn't Shek around? Damashek and I got together last night mm. and uh, we had some dinner and went to a couple of local haunts. That was fun. 
on my way into the stadium, Soundgarden was playing. Yes. Let me, let me tell you something about Soundgarden, and specific, specifically Chris Cornell. The man's 50 years old, still got the pipes. No. Looks better than all of us. Um, very that... impressive. Almost Chris Cornell is indicative of the entire, entire Seahawks organization in my mind. Did wow. Soundgarden sound good in person? Because they were awful on TV. <laughs> uh, they, really? They, I was very close to a speaker, but he sounded very good to me. The band did as did. Uh, looked to looked to be in good shape, but Soundgarden always always a little overrated. In my I whole. think we can put them to rest. Black Hole Sun, the most overplayed video in the history of MTV. Give me a break. That's quite a All statement. Right, down. All, All right. right. That's, uh, that's grunge royalty you're talking about. I won't, I won't stand for it. <laughs> All right. I think that's, that's our, an oxymoron. I think that's our uh, cue or our sign that we should probably move on to the other games. Dan Hansis from Seattle. We don't send the, our writers out on the road too much, but, but maybe we should do it more. Yeah, and I'll, uh, I'll see you in like three hours because Greg booked me on a 6 a.m. flight. <laughs> <laughs> He's got All this. I do is win. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll talk to you later, Dan. And he's got the day off. Don't get any wrong ideas. <laughs> All right, I'll see you later, Brett. All right, yeah. so uh, that's it for the, the opening night game, unless you had any big final takeaways, Wes. Percy Harvin. Oh, yeah. I like, think 11 touches. Ele- he had 11 on touches on offense and another three kickoff returns, 160 all-purpose yards, and – if he's not injured, he's going to lead all wide receivers in touches this year. They called Denard Robinson an offensive weapon initially on on the depth chart in Jacksonville. That's what they should have for Percy Harvin. Don't you? When you see Percy Harvin play, don't you think? Don't you feel sorry for guys like Tavon Austin, right, or Peter Warwick? Peter, <laughs> that they weren't used like this. Well, they're not as strong as Percy right. Harvin either. I think that's what goes the most underrated by uh, about. Percy Harvin, he's one of the strongest receivers in the NFL. Okay, so Seahawks were terrific, but we don't want to overlook the other 30 teams that are going to be playing this weekend. So I'm going to send it to one of my favorite guys in the entire business. Take it away, Greg Rosenthal. Let's go over the rest of the games. All right, thanks, Greg. Great throw to me, (laughs) Greg. And and I got to say, by the way, great job with analysis on that – Thursday night opener. Really terrific stuff by everyone. Especially you, especially you, Wes. Thank you. It's almost as narcissistic as the 2015 <laughs> Browns traded up with themselves. That's just that is not narcissism. That is sheer idiocy, <laughs> and we will see it. Well, we welcome Mark Sessler to the mix here. Now we're going to go through uh, a little bit of news, and then we'll get to previewing the rest of the game. So we got a big show here. TD, let's uh, let's get some news going. No fail, Mary. This time, this is a route. Let's talk a little. Wes Welker, his four-game suspension for violating the performance-enhancing drug policy came down since we last recorded. So, do you guys think that this is a suspension that will materially affect the Broncos in the opening month of the season? I do. I think uh, we thought they were going to be great last summer because we saw defenses could not double-team Demarius Thomas and provide shade coverage towards Decker and then still be able to stop Julius Thomas and Welker one-on-one, and that's why they were so good last year. They averaged about 30 points per game the year before and 37 last year, so they were a touchdown better per game. And I think if you look at the uh, Chargers game in Week 15, the Broncos lost that game. It was their worst offensive game before the Super Bowl, and Welker wasn't there. I think that was an issue. 
Maybe their defense can help them win a game. Mark, by the way, might not be as vocal as he normally is. You're playing hurt. You're, you've got a bad cough here today, Mark. I do. Are you okay? Can you speak? I can speak, you know, in, uh, intermittently. But <laughs> what I, uh, when I think of this podcast, I forget personal health or wellness. Let's forge on. We've got 27 games to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I think the Welker news, we, we talked about in terms of his concussion. It's not the worst thing ever. No. For him to have four extra weeks to recover from his third concussion in 10 months. And, hey, maybe the Broncos should learn how to win games a little differently this year. They do have three out of their first four games at home. Uh, it's a relatively tough schedule. Uh, starting off with the Colts, you got the Chiefs, Cardinals. You know, it's, it's not an easy opening slate, but they should be able They're fine. Julius Thomas can play inside. Emmanuel Sanders can play inside. Two of those games are against teams that beat them last year. That's fair. It's not an easy schedule, but again, three games at home. You would think they'll be able to survive just fine without Wes Welker. Uh, let's talk about another wide receiver that's been suspended this year. Josh Gordon, your guy, Mark Sessler. News came out today. Going to be working at a Cleveland-area car dealership. Yeah, very odd. I, you know, This came across the desk early this morning, early enough where I thought, nope, I just simply cannot read correctly right now because this is <laughs> – a mix and match of reality. But, yeah, I guess he's, you know, they, they tabbed it. He'll be doing all sorts of things across the board for this <laughs> umbrella company that owns multiple dealerships, including just selling cars on the floor. But do you feel, how does it feel that by far uh, the most dynamic uh, player on the Browns offense is going to be using those skills to sell automobiles this year? That kind of sums it up. I you get, are a factory of uh, sadness! That's just hurtful. That is ridiculous, TD. <laughs> TD. That was too easy. <laughs> TD I wants like, to chime in here, I feel like, on the Josh Gordon car. I was just waiting for a time to drop that in. <laughs> Listen, if you're a Patriots fan, and I don't, I'm not pointing this just at you, uh, just a little bit I am, but uh, when you've known nothing but glory mm-hmm. for a decade plus, about to be the first team in 35 years to win the division six straight times. All I do is win, win. Well, you have to understand, Ford, that the the average fan of any guy that's rooting for teams that are consistent losers like this, this, again, is not even in the top 75 narratives to be painful. I like that he's working. Keep him working. Has anybody else noticed? This tickles me to no end that Josh Gordon's life is now taking its blueprint from Kenny Powers. Ooh, Kenny Powers. He's bounding down. Kenny Powers is a... Major League Baseball player who has a problem with uh, uh, some drugs, and he kind of washes out of the league and ends up selling cars at a BMW station. It is troubling. I feel like we're going to have some listeners now that send in a Josh Gordon Photoshop with a mullet. You that would be I mean? awesome. It's good. It's got to keep him out of trouble, right? Well, I think they, that's they got to dr- be Do the, they drug test at the Sarciano Auto Group in Randolph, Ohio? It does Ohio? not matter if they do. <laughs> he will be drug tested roughly 250 times between now and next year. So, Well, he better hope he doesn't have a sample .001 over the limit. That That's true. Really fair point by it, Chris Wessling. It would be really funny if, if Gordon does go down that path. Kenny Powers? Yeah. They I, think, make, they I think he's already to, going down that to, uh, path. to New England's fan base. <laughs> funny hey, to you. A lot of painful playoff losses in the last uh, eight that. or nine years. All right. Let's, uh, let's move forward. And let's go back to the Broncos. Uh, let, to let new listeners know, the format for our shows every Friday is going to be we each pick a game that tickles our fancy right off the top. We go around 
uh, the group. We pick our favorite games of the week, and then we start rolling through the rest of our games. We make our picks. We point out games where only one of us has a certain team. That's called a hero pick. And uh, let's start with you, Chris Wesseling. What, what's your game of the week? My fancy is tickled by <laughs> the Colts at the Broncos, a matchup which we referenced earlier. The Colts won this matchup last year, and it was a high-scoring game, but they had a lot of success early in the game by playing physical press man coverage by their cornerbacks up against the Broncos receivers. They will be without Wes Welker, so it will be probably Sanders in the slot and maybe rookie Cody Latimer outside. Uh, I think this will be an interesting matchup. If it's a close game, I know I'd be taking Andrew Luck over Peyton Manning. Ooh, yeah. I, I like that. I would, you know, NFL research points out, and uh, Andrew Luck plays his best games against playoff teams last season. Ten touchdowns, one pick against eight playoff teams. This if is I, uh, this guy's. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hand this one to the Broncos. I I would, and we all pick the Broncos. Oh, you think it's going to be a close game? I guess, Mark. Yeah, I picked. I don't know when that was days ago that I picked Denver. I guess I, you know, I did. I picked. I picked the Broncos. So what, what can I tell you? <laughs> As we're talking here, we've got some technical help popping into the room. We're gonna put a big, nice uh, around the NFL graphic up behind us, and pretty soon, you guys could hopefully will be able to watch uh, the podcast, and we'll cut up some segments on our preview sp- show, especially. I would take the quarterback that's going against the Colts defense. I would not take Andrew Luck. I mean, I hear what you're saying. The Colts defense. Do, is there any reason to believe that they're going to be better than average or even average? They looked pretty good at times in the preseason, well, but that means whatever. nothing. Yeah, I mean, not Chuck, their strong. It's a reason that we, I think a lot of us jumped off the Indianapolis bus in terms of seeing them as a potential Super Bowl team. Yeah, you were, you were kind of in on them early. But, but that luck, I think, could do it regardless of their defense. I think Chuck Pagano is a sneaky uh, hot seat candidate this year. They, if they win the division, again, obviously it's hard to make that case, but he's a defensive coach that's never improved their defense. They've done a poor job choosing personnel for their defense, and he's not a very good game manager. I think he makes a lot of questionable decisions on game day, and it's surprising when you talk to Colts fans or you kind of read their Twitter. There's a lot of unrest about Chuck Pagano, which is weird. I mean, he's a hero. Everyone likes him as a person, but maybe as a coach – I don't know. Let's uh, let's improve that defense. I think he's very good at the motiv- motivational aspects yes. of the job. Yeah, he's very good at the at managing his team in the locker room. But I think once the game starts, I think you're right. He's made some. I think he punts way too much. And they have the right, easiest exactly. schedule of all teams. That's here now, so that can change. But it's hard to predict a complete crumbling for them when you play in that division. That's fair. Uh, you know, I'd be surprised if he were gone after this season. No, oh yeah, I'm not. I just mean kind of an unrest and some complaints, and it wouldn't totally shock me if we're there. You know, after 12 weeks of the season, and everyone's talking about the Colts are stuck at six and six. And you the, know why and the Jaguars won't... are five and seven? You know what I mean? And yeah. it's just you know why that won't happen? Why? Andrew Luck. He's good. <laughs> he this does. Guy? Yeah. I mean, this is a three-win roster outside of him. Well, that's giving him a lot of credit. Yeah, so maybe he bumps it up to eight or nine. And we get to see Dwayne Allen's back in the mix. Reggie Wayne's back in the mix. I mean, this should be a, this is a great matchup. It's Sunday it's night. A classic. We'll, uh, we'll be taping our Sunday night show and giving you our take on this game. And every game on Sunday night, that's going to drop for people Monday morning. Subscribe on iTunes. How about that? Some plugs. 
Let's move on to our second favorite game. Let's, uh, Mark, why don't you pick your game? I'm going to go with, uh, well, listen, Chris and I picked the Saints to go all the way. Super Bowl winners. So let's focus on where they're going to start that journey. That's in Atlanta against the Falcons. One of Greg's, this is one of your favorite rivalries. Yes. It's fall, it fell on hard times last year because Julio Jones went out of the mix. Not really. Well, it, the, the Falcons weren't relevant by the end of last right, season. Right, but week one is when I made an impassioned speech that this <laughs> is the most underrated and best rivalry in the NFL. And you know what happened that week? I think half of us picked the Falcons in that game. Half of us picked the Saints or so. And it came down to the very last play of the game, Kenny Vaccaro with a big breakup on Tony Gonzalez, or the Falcons would have gone into the Superdome and won that game. It was a thriller. All right. And America missed it because they're not in on the NFC South. We'll get in now. I think they aren't in on it because, you know, outside who no people don't buy into the Falcons, even when they were rolling into the NFC title game. I think that they're, you know, Dan has them as, as a sneaky playoff team potentially this year. That's a, that's a smart pick, but I need to see their offensive line Get it done. Last year, the Saints had eight sacks and 16 quarterback hits on Ryan in two games. Mm. This, it, yeah. this used to be one of the best rivalries in the NFL. Now the Saints are a much better team than the Falcons. Well, I count a rivalry who plays good games against each other. The Jets and the Patriots... Their games are always boring. Well, let's Even find last out year, Falcons-Saints was very entertaining. Even the second— Sunday afternoon, we'll find out how entertaining it is when the Falcons can't get a pass <laughs> rush on Drew Brees, and he passes for 460 yards and four TDs. Yeah, I mean, this is an immediate acid test for the Falcons because, yes, they have Julio Jones back, but, you know, if we believe that Andrew Luck can win games on a three-win team, I don't feel that way about any wide receiver. You, you look at Calvin Johnson in Detroit. That hasn't turned them into a winner. It doesn't. It, that alone is not going to do it. Atlanta lacks depth, and they lack difference makers in some key areas. I think this game will be closer than you think. Dan Hansis actually picked the Falcons to win. He has a hero pick on that game. Dan, of course, not in the studio today because he's up in Seattle. Uh, and that's right. We already talked to him. So, of course, we, we all knew <laughs> good that. Call this back. is a good old-fashioned start all of your fantasy players in this game. Right. Because the Saints are going to jump out to a three-touchdown lead, at least. The Falcons are going to have to keep passing to keep up. I mean, the Falcons' defense cannot stop the Saints' offense. You have been ripping the Falcons' defense all offseason. No, I, I hear you. But There's I, no way they're stopping the Saints' offense. But it's in Atlanta, even last season, where the Patriots – I mean, where the Saints were – so much better than Atlanta. Atlanta came into their game in Atlanta. We didn't believe the Saints were that good last year. They were a two-win team, though, Atlanta was. When the two of them played, It was, I believe it was on Thursday Night Football, and that game was 17-13. to 13. The so Saints it was a weren't bit of a that good. Fest, but it was close. These the, two games, they always The they Saints always scored 16 fewer points on the road in games last season. That, that's what but I'm saying. here's the thing. I agree with Wes. I don't think we bought into the Saints as a true power. We didn't. And, and this year, though— I'm not, wor- I'm not worried about what points fewer were scored on the road. This is a completely different team. I, I totally disagree. I think they're a totally different team on the road until proven otherwise because they have always been a totally different team on the road under Sean Payton. And the crowd noise helps a lot with Rob Ryan's defense or, or whatever it is. That defense was not as effective last year on the road. That's not an easy place to play. And to me, if they go 4-4 four and four on the road this year, that's a big win. Well, like they're, they're, teams, a fi- they're a five and three on the road type of team. But one thing when it's a little bit shaded when you look at the Saints that way and call them a bad road team, for instance, because what a lot of good teams go five and three or six and two at home. They flat out just go eight and zero. Oh. Right. 
That's the the, the, the the disparity between the two is is bigger. La- that's true. But last year they really weren't. A this very, is a, a very different good Saints team. Okay, we're gonna. I, I want them to prove we're it. We're banking first. on that. I guess I have. I, I'll believe it when I see it. Like I think they're an eleven or twelve win team, but I don't think they're necessarily the best team in the NFL. By like the way, you. for listeners, when Greg is not rooting for the Patriots, he is a closet Saints fan. Used to be. Now yeah. his ma- his name is Mud in New Orleans. No, that's not true at all. It, yeah. is, it is. Well, they were mad because I didn't say the Drew Brees was a first ballot Hall of Famer. You're not allowed does. on the float when Mark and I are floating down uh, whatever's. <laughs> High Street or what? No, whatever. What street is hey, it? Hey, look, buddy. Bourbon Street. Hey, buddy, I was there. You know when they won the Super Bowl last time. You jumped was, off the bandwagon that in, Mark and I will be riding on. I was there when they won the Super Bowl. A Greg Rosenthal quote for the ages. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote about them all week that year. I was loving it. I was talking to the players how great New Orleans. Is. Don't try to turn this around on me. Well, we have float invitations. You have none. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to pick the Chargers and the Cardinals as the game uh, that intrigues me. This, like is the, that. this is the best Monday night week one capper since they started doing this about eight, nine years ago, I think it was. ESPN has a doubleheader on Monday night. It's usually an AFC West game. It's like Raiders-Chargers with nothing at stake, lot of, even in week one. It's usually of, some louder, lousy Raiders team. It's usually a combination of the Raiders, Chargers, and Chiefs, two of those teams. But this year, they have the Chargers, who are more intriguing than they have been, I don't know, since that, since they were— Eric Coriel? Maybe since they were a dominant best team in the Stan league Humphreys. with LaDainian Tomlinson, number one seed. You know, this is different, though. We like them. They're a big-time candidate for the team of ATL. And you know who else is? The Arizona Cardinals. Two teams, very— That's generous. Intriguing. What, what do you mean it's generous? <laughs> to call the Cardinals a real candidate for team of ATL. They're one of the four teams we— Sent through last time. I've got a pocket veto. Yeah, I think Wesleyan is telling you that he's going to pull the lever and, and the floor is going to open and the Cardinals are just going to fall right through into the abyss. Thank you. That's exactly how I would describe it. Well, you know what could change your mind? Carson Palmer goes out there and torches your precious little charge. Actually, I like the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, my, I love the Chargers this year, too. I like them both. But what if Carson Palmer goes out there? 315 yards. Defense is flying around. That's not a tough. That's not an easy place what to play de- Arizona. What, who's flying around in the defense? Um, how about Patrick Peterson? Yeah. Potentially the Calais best. Campbell. On the Move the Sticks podcast uh, this week, Daniel Jeremiah's brand new podcast that him and TD are doing. Didn't Daniel Jeremiah say one GM told him Patrick Peterson, top three defensive player in the league? That's correct. It was J.J. Watt and Duncan Sue and Patrick Peterson. So there, there's a guy you can get excited about, and everyone should download uh, Daniel uh, podcast, by the way, it's going to move be, the sticks podcast. Yeah, it's going to be really awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Although I'm not really that excited that TD now has five podcasts in his arsenal. He's already treating us kind of like the the little sister. You know, he doesn't care about us anymore. Come on, guys. You know, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. So, but, but rank the podcasts that get you <laughs> up in the morning, at least the most. DJ's at the top already. I think we're ahead of Damashek, though. No comment, guys. <laughs> he no does. Comment. Do you know what the name of our podcast is? Do you guys know what the name of your podcast is? <laughs> the Around the NFL podcast. What if we just called it Around the NFL, No More Podcast? What do you think of that? How would yeah, we differentiate between the television show? Who needs right. to know? Yeah, like for example. <laughs> They've already downloaded us if they're listening. Move the Sticks. It's called Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah. There's no podcast in there. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Uh, nice cutting edge producing <laughs> for our competition. Thank you. <laughs> do we think the Chargers defense... 
when they match up against the Cardinals' offense, that they have the the Hosses in the secondary to stop Larry Fitzgerald and Floyd and our guy John Brown. No, I think this will be a very offense-heavy game. Two very good offenses and two suspect defenses. I think the Chargers' defense might actually be better than the Cardinals right now. I could see that. I think the Chargers' defense has potential. That's one of the reasons I like them. Freeney, uh, they're getting a lot of people back from injury. It's it's not an untalented defense. They never really made that much sense that they struggled. It's not so really much. a talented defense. I would say it's about average. Wesley, let's just say that you know sometimes these things happen. The Cardinals go out against a frisky Chargers offense, hold them to nine points, right? And you see some young players that start to get your engine ro- you know roaring. And then on the flip side, Arizona's offense looks like a house on fire. Would you reconsider <laughs> this? team of around the NFL. No, it's team of ATL. That's team of ATL label. Would they be back in the wheelhouse for you? This is Absolutely. Big... I am an open-minded guy. I like that. This is a big game for team of ATL. Is this almost an elimination game? Could the I don't know. I don't know if that's the case because we might not pick a team next week. If the Chargers lose a close game, it's not going to eliminate. It will come hours after Pittsburgh gives up 42 points to a Josh Gordon-free Browns offense. Well, if you were writing headlines for a New York-based newspaper, you would call this a must-win game. For who? For anybody in week one because that's when you start calling things (laughs) must-win games in New York. (laughs) Uh, Well, it is a must-win game for them playing against the Raiders. If if this Cardinals defense, by the way, is as bad as you've said it is all offseason— my guy, Phillip Rivers, should just tear them up. I have not said it's bad. Last year they were top three NFL defense. I just think they're going to be about 16th now. Okay. And I'll that's a that. steep, steep fall. I think you've underrated Daryl Washington and Carlos Dansby. I think they, the, those two losses are way more important than Darnell Dockett. But if their offense can bump up significantly, then that still looks as the makings of a oh, winning team. I, and I think the receivers can. I don't think Carson Palmer has it in him to play any better than he did down the stretch last year. Well, I have a little theory that Carson Palmer, I don't think he's going to play as well as Phillip Rivers did last year. But I think he, if you're looking for a career renaissance guy in the in his 30s, Carson Palmer is your Phillip Rivers this That's year. That's the horse you're going to ride. I, as an improving player, yeah. Wow. Strong for 4,000 yards with three different teams. And uh, Arians of the Combine said, he will play until he's, what, 38 or something? <laughs> the Browns so, quarterbacks combined to throw for 4,000 yards last year. Well, they don't make took, those seasons like they used that to. That took three human beings. <laughs> well, everyone should stay up, watch this game. It's a great one. Now let's get to the rest of them. We still have many uh, games to go. We'll go through the rest of them a little bit quicker. Let's start with Cincinnati-Baltimore. Love that the AFC North started with division games right off the top. Uh, by the way, we should, we should mention our picks in the other games. Dan was the only one who took the Falcons. I took the Cardinals to win. Who, who did you guys take? I believe I took the Chargers. Realizing the Cardinals were among the best home teams in the NFL, I just think that the Chargers are a little bit stronger this year. I do not recall. I was in a mental haze when I made my picks. I think you took the Cardinals. I'm looking at it. Yeah, you took the Cardinals. Dan and Patrick both took the Chargers, so we were split pretty evenly on that one. That is a coin. Everyone took the Broncos? Everyone took the Broncos. That was that was an easy call. In this game, Dan was the only one in Bengals-Ravens. Dan's the only one who took the Bengals, which is a surprise because this feels like a coin flip game, but it's in Baltimore. What is it about the Ravens this year that you think they'll be a little bit better? I think that we'll see, you know, we've talked about this before, but improvements on offense because I think Joe Flacco will be used uh, to his successful abilities better under Kubiak. I think Kubiak is 
a guy that can come in. You know, you don't need a full season to get that offense chimed up. I think that he'll do a nice job with him early. Ray Rice, when he's back, looks lighter, healthier. He won't play in this game, though. But, but Pierce is healthy, too. And that wasn't the case for one or the other all last season. You know how much Mark Sessler likes this game? It's our Duracell Power Pick of the Week from Mark Sessler. We're sponsored, baby. On the website, you can go and find uh, all our picks. It's called the Around the NFL Power Picks. It's got every game pick, but then we have one game, and it has to be a game where it's not a big, heavy favorite, anything like that, where you feel especially confident, and you felt confident about the Ravens. It was like a corporate robot staring me down saying, (laughs) do something in writing. It must be two sentences. I picked this game. Andy Dalton has a lower completion percentage against the AFC North than Brandon Whedon. <laughs> that yeah. is a nice bit of minutia, and I, and I like it. I, I don't think this is a coin flip game. Since John Harbaugh took over, the Ravens are right there with the Seahawks as the best home team in the NFL. And as we mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, I'm buying into this offensive improvement. I like what I've seen. And all these fantasy football guys who think that Torrey Smith is Andre Johnson because he's playing that role, I think Steve Smith might lead this team in receiving. Wow. I hope not. Interesting because we saw – so Anquan Bolden leaves. And remember week one last year for the Niners, how many catches does he have? 13 or some wild 200 right? yards. What if Smith has to emerge as mm. a, a huge, huge contributor to this I offense think he can week do it. one? Yeah. I really like the Ravens in this game too. And – for everyone that's gotten after me for ranking Andy Dalton so low in my uh, first quarterback index that goes up every week where we rank the quarterbacks. Where did you rank him? Just watch like 20th or so. Where do people want him? I, you know, there, an unnamed reporter in Miami called me ridiculous or something that I had Ryan Tannehill over Dalton. I've read that unnamed reporter for <laughs> seven or eight years now. And if that guy was calling me ridiculous, it would make me feel a lot more confident about right. my opinion. No, I feel like I finally made it. But, yeah, the, <laughs> there's a reason they call it the after Dalton scale because he is the, the prime meridian. He is the measuring stick for all of their quarterbacks. He's very mediocre, and he stinks in the division, and he's going to stink in this game. All right, the Bills <laughs> and the Bears. This is a fun one. Or not. For who? The Bears? Right. It is. <laughs> well, who would you rather have on your schedule than the Bills in Chicago? Reminds me of their week one last year. They totally drubbed the Colts. Do you remember that game? They won by about 30 points. Shows that you can't take week one too seriously. What do we think about this Bills-Bears game? Does Buffalo have any chance? I would like to see the Bills just turn the offense over to Kyle Orton, and then this is his homecoming to Soldier Field. Now that would get me excited. Buffalo, with I think their whole thing with E.J. Manuel – Last year was we're going to be one of the fastest offenses in football. I think they ran the third most plays, and I think Football Outsiders had them as the second fastest team behind the hmm. Eagles. But it didn't translate, did it? It, it, it? There's just not a lot of moments we can remember from Buffalo's offense that were keeper moments. It was, I guess, they had a nice comeback against Carolina Panthers in that one game, but it just really few and far between. And this has to be for a loyal fan base, one of the more depressing teams right now, just because you already look at the quarterback situation with the guy that you took a first-round pick on, it seems lost. And, yes, it will be better for Orton to be in there. I think that's a better quarterback, but it's a depressing situation for a team that already gave up its first-round pick. They they can play fast, but they don't play well, and there's no proof that we they know how to run an offense, but there is talent here. I mean, they've got Cordy Glenn. They've got pretty good receivers. They've got a nice running back group. Got a good defense, And they've too. got a great matchup. I mean, the Bears' defense was 
among the worst in the league. If EJ Manuel was ever going to get off to a decent start, wouldn't this be the game? Yeah. I mean, if we think we know everything based on the preseason, and then the regular season usually tells us we know nothing. It's a great matchup on the other side of the ball, too. I mean, Trestman, we're expecting that offense to be better. It's a pretty tough week one matchup, and we don't really know how different this Bills defense is going to be under Jim Schwartz, but it's still a very talented defense. With that said, we all took the Bears. Five. I get very tired, by the way. This has cropped up in the last few weeks of all this Jake Cutler breakout season. Oh, boy. The guy has been in the league for a long time. There is no breakout season. He thrives against bad teams. Mm. Uh, I mean, statistically, he's very good against lesser competition. But Well, he could have his best season in a long time. Why not? Is this, well, the, is this the year? Because I, I'm with you. I read Jay Cutler breakout season every year. It's just very Just tedious. inundated with the same articles over and over well, again. Well, it depends if you're talking breakout in reality or fantasy. Because he did have that one year, if you remember, uh, where he had about 4,500 yards. In, in Denver with Mike Shanahan, they, they lost all the games at the end of the year, and then Shanahan got fired, but Cutler was lighting it up back then. Until the games got important. He's 22-2 and two <laughs> against sub-500 teams. And and this, is he, going, this is going to be a sub-500 team he's playing. Yeah, and then he week. started crying and said, I can't play in Denver anymore. Oh, you have to trade me. Oh, stop it. I got the Bears in the playoffs, and the playoff march begins this Sunday against the Bills. Uh, let's talk about the Redskins-Texans. It's funny, when we were thinking about this game back in April, I remember thinking, wow, this is going to be really intriguing. You know, RG3 making his comeback under a new coach. You got the number one pick in the draft. I, I At the time, I thought it would maybe be a quarterback. Now this game's a little under the radar, but it's two teams we don't really know what we're going to get. What, what do you think we're going to get in this game? I saw a quote from RG3 this week, something along the lines of, you guys are just going to have to wait and see, but we've got secrets that we're ready to unleash. All right. I like that. And and for a minute, I was buying in like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> They've been holding back again for the second time in three years. And then I thought about it. Again. I'm like, this guy's trying to convince himself. I think he just needs to show average play fundamentals like he does not need to be that's a game why you changer. traded multiple number one picks for average <laughs> i just play. think to win this game that's all he's got to do i think i've seen the way jadevian Clowney hits and i've seen the way robert griffin to third slides mm. <laughs> this could be disastrous <laughs> that's true yeah. clown it could be Clowney versus trent williams for part of that game that's a pretty the good silverback that's a pretty good match a good looking pass rush for washington going up against dwayne brown and we really don't know what's this offense going to be like. This is a sneaky, interesting game. I it It's actually a game I think I want to take for that 1 o'clock spot because mm. – or at least I, I know I'll watch right away during the week because these are two teams I really have no idea about. It's because they have new coaches, new offenses. I took the Texans in this game. I didn't overthink it too much. I just think these are two pretty bad teams, so I took the home team. People mm. have undersold the fact that Cushing is back as well. I mean, it, the guy's That's got true. a lot of injuries, but – it's always Watt and Clowney. Wait a minute. You've got this that's third a, piece right here that is very tantalizing. That's a good point. I, Mark, you took the Texans as well. Well, you know, two years in a row, the team that's picked number one overall has gone on to the playoffs. Mm. <laughs> that seems coincidental. How many of those teams had Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback? I am not predicting that to happen this <laughs> yeah. year oh, This game, the Texans. This but. game smells like 12-9. to nine. Texans. Yep. That Bill O'Brien offense unleashed for nine <laughs> points. Mark Mark and I were uh we were outvoted though. Kevin Patrick, Dan, and Chris all took the Redskins. Chris uh thinks the Redskins could be sneaky, at least 
be in the mix this year as a halfway decent team. I'm not nearly convinced of that. It's just something I say. <laughs> <laughs> Titans-Chiefs, another game which isn't going to get America excited, yet I actually am intrigued to see because I want to see Jake Locker under Ken Wisenhunt. Uh, what are you guys looking for in this game? Uh, I'm looking to see how bad the Chiefs' offensive line is, if they're just adequate or if they are going to be a, like a season-long problem. That that would be one thing I'd be looking for. Say hello to Jarrell Casey. Yeah. Hi, hi Jarrell Casey. <laughs> well, you know, the Chiefs' He's predicting are gonna... 20 sacks this year. This Titans, def- this Titans team really is generic. It's not just that they're the Titans. They really are generic on paper. But they do have a lot of defensive players that at least – you know that, who knows, maybe they could be halfway decent. Derek Morgan, Jarrell Casey, Cameron Wimbley, Akeem Ayers, Zach Brown. They're all moving to new positions. Sean Phillips. It's just like a lot of pieces. Positions they weren't drafted to be in. Yeah. You want to talk about a 12-10 game. Right. This feels like that. I could see that. And Ray Horton, their defensive coordinator, is a guy that we couldn't have loved more the last couple years. And we haven't really talked about him at all in terms of his ability to turn around this defense. Well, you know, one thing last year in Cleveland, everyone felt he was going to flip the switch. By the end of the year, that was not a good defense. Now, I think they underperformed significantly, and that's probably why we haven't given He leaves his cornerbacks on an island, which could be an issue for a team that lost Alteron Werner and now is starting Bleedy Ray Wilson. Yeah. It's not it, mm. it's both both of these teams look bad to me. I think that's that, <laughs> Bleedy Ray Wilson sounds like one of those guys that Mark made up down at the desk. <laughs> those of you like, drafting Vicky Van Vliet. <laughs> if you're in your uh, 2018 keeper league that uses defense in a dynasty scenario, you want to get Bleedy Ray Wilson on your <laughs> roster Back now. Back him up with Wiggy Van Vliet. One, yeah. Once again, Mark and I on the same page. We both took the Titans, who are significant underdogs. I guess I feel like I have to take at least one big underdog every week, or else it's not fun. This week it was the Titans. Going to Kansas City, Chris, you took the Chiefs. You're feeling confident. In the home, I'd take the home team in this game, and I Either am way. in a – I'm intrigued by Jake Locker, but I'm in a believe-it-when-I-see-it mode with him. Right. The Chiefs have the better quarterback. I think the Titans have the better offensive line. Who group. has the better quarterback guru running the team? That's a good question. I would go Andy Reid. He has a longer history. I, I think you have to go Andy Reid. I think Wiz and Hunt, after a couple months, we're going to look back and say – Hmm. He's done a lot with this offense. I, I think we're going to look back and say he does a lot when he gets a veteran quarterback who's already been established, but he can't develop a younger quarterback. Well, he never really had a good young quarterback in Arizona. It was always John Skelton and Matt Leiner and do Mac, not, Max Hall. Ryan do Lindley. not underestimate Ryan Max Hall. <laughs> he had Derek Anderson, by the way, the, so take that back. The police didn't <laughs> underestimate Max Hall this week. He was arrested for something or other. I know in, what it was, but I'm not going to say. Okay. Dolphins. Real quick, though, before we move on, who you got, Westling? Bleedy Ray Wilson or Demarcus Van Dyke? Bleedy Ray Wilson's Bleedy. a better name. Yeah. Demarcus Van Dyke sounds like uh, Will Smith went into a 1950s sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Dolphins. Patriots, another game where Dan Hansis has a hero pick because he's insane. No, uh, he took the Dolphins. The rest of us took took the Patriots. And as a Patriots fan, I think you look at this game and you think, this is the worst time to go down there. That It's very hot. The Patriots' winning percentage under Bill Belichick is way lower in September than it is the rest of the season. They traditionally improve as you go. So if you're Miami, this is a good time to get the Patriots. Last I checked, Bill Belichick wasn't concerned about hot temperatures in a September game. Greg, you're trying to undersell New England. They've won 
what, 11 straight 10-plus win seasons. They've never had real trouble with Miami outside of a here and there. That's not true. The Dolphins have often been trouble for Tom Brady and company. Maybe not the last few years. I don't know. Not in, not in the recent incarnation. I, I don't see. Here's the one thing. Miami doesn't get a lot of attention in their offense. We don't know what they, what they have planned entirely. That could create some problems. I just don't see New England losing the game, though. I have stumbled onto a pattern in the hero picks here. Mm. Remember last year, Mark kind of went off into the desert for a week? Came back and he picked like four or five hero picks that didn't make much sense. And he was feeling pretty confident. He killed the season. Dan took a few weeks off. Mm. Come back and he picks like five hero picks right off the bat, most of which don't make sense, including (laughs) this one. Right. I think all that time away... Well, Weston, some, the, the, the synapses aren't firing. Well, the connective tissue is also when you have a human being under the age of six months mm. in your house waking up every three <laughs> hours. You start to do things that don't make sense from an adult level. Your well, hypothesis makes more sense than mine. Well, Mark's was a change in form because for those just tuning in, Mark was the champion of our first ever picks competition, ran away with it, did a great job, and then Kareem. Kareem to, down. Greg was very angry about it, though. I, I was very upset. <laughs> Mark made me feel better by coming in dead last last year. Yes. Dan, on the other hand, he struggled both years. So maybe he's just looking to get out of that and make Sounds some crazy Sounds like Dan's tricks. in his own head. He's got a little RG3 action going on right now. <laughs> I give him courage. He's picked some wild ones out of the gate. And if he, if he hits on them, wow. The boss's boss is here. Raiders and Jets next on the... Think wow! Our, my boss has stepped into the room. A shadowy, a shadowy figure. league figure has entered the building. Would you like to come on the podcast, John Marvel? My uh, my boss has stepped in for the first time ever. I'm feeling a little intimidated right now, a little nervous, and he's just come on in. Uh, he's refusing <laughs> to do so. He's going to remain shadowy. He, he has made his stance clear on the toaster. By the way, we haven't talked about this in a while, and uh, win Greg's toaster is a game that he says I need to defend. It needs to happen again soon. I've just been enjoying uh, the trophy, the he, toaster. He also said no tomato cans. What? No. No, no. tomato cans. I'm going to do what Wesleyan did, face a bunch of very weak competition and keep that That is an correct. insult. That is an insult to the people we squared off against. I think Marvel is of sound mind here. We're not going to just let you sit on this throne unchallenged month after month. I'm Buster Douglas after Tokyo, baby. I'm going around the world. I'm meeting women. I'm eating well. I'm getting fat. I'm You're enjoying You're about it. to have a subpar video game release in your honor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Jets and Raiders. A uh, little friskier game here with Derek Carr starting for Oakland. Do we give them a legit shot to win this game? No. It's a tough one. I mean, I guess what? Everyone immediately was like, oh, if you have got the, if you don't have the Jets' defense in fantasy, you go pick them up right now. Okay. <laughs> Except there's no secondary here. I would, I would definitely pick up the Jets' defense I, right now. I get it. It's just that part of the reason the Jets were the Jets for so long was – that secondary in the press corners that Ryan had to do what he needs to do. They will be challenged, and it's, gonna, it's, a, rough, it's a rough start for Derek Carr, no question. But I think it's, an, it's a much more interesting game than we would have had. The Schaub thing worked in our fashion here. Football fans get a better game. 
we this is a more talented roster than it was a year ago in Oakland. We all picked the Jets in this game, so we it, it's one of the games that we totally agree on. And yet, I I do think this is going to be a tough game for the Jets. I think Dennis Allen is a better coach than Chris says. He might not be good dealing with the media, but he's gotten the most out of his talent, and he's got more talent now. These two teams aren't that imbalanced in terms of talent. I don't think the Jets are very talented either. When they're talented on the defensive line, the Raiders the Raiders are allegedly following the Seahawks plan. When, well, so is everyone. When, that has the, a when Russell team. Wilson was installed as a starter, he had a good offensive line. He had a dominant running game and a very good defense. They're putting Derek Carr behind an offensive line that couldn't block in the preseason. That's true. Receivers that dropped passes all preseason. It's an don't, okay receiver. Don't have no. They're they're a bottom five receiving group. They don't have anybody resembling a number one receiver. They don't have a proven tight end. This is this is one of the worst offensive personnels for as far as roster in the league, and you're putting Derek Carr behind them. It's a recipe for failure. Well, you're going up against one of the worst secondaries in the league. I mean, Antonio Allen. How about that front seven? It's outstanding, but Very it's strong. Well, it's, they don't have a. They don't. I wouldn't say the linebacking crew is amazing in terms of their. They don't have a, a pass rusher that scares you to death. No, it's an outstanding run stopping group, and it's an outstanding defensive line. They don't have any one on one guys that win, and I could see this being a low scoring, pretty competitive game because the Jets are that kind of team. Kind of like their game against Tampa in Week One last year. Ooh, I like that. Well, hold on. One thing about that because we don't talk at all about the, what the Jets need to do. What about Geno Smith? I mean, the, the, hit him against Oakland. That's a nice matchup against Oakland's defense, in my opinion. Same I think thing. it's a very nice matchup, and I, I liked what I saw of Geno Smith in the preseason. Yeah, he I showed think, improvement. I think he has a sneaky chance to be a lot better this year, to, to make a bigger leap than, let's say, a Ryan Tannehill liked, made, it, made in his I like the connection with Decker, too. They just missed on a couple of, of deep passes in the third preseason game. I think Decker's going to have a better season than people people think. All right, we got Marvel it. thinks Decker's a number three or number four receiver, but he's out of his tree. <laughs> All right, we've got five games left. Not a lot of time, so we'll go through some of these a little quicker. Jaguars and Eagles. Mark, you were tempted to take this game as your favorite game of the week right off the top. You've got such so much Jaguars fever. It was a lot to like here. I, I want to see number one. Everyone asks, will defenses catch up to Chip Kelly and you know, shut that thing down. Well, guess what? Chip Kelly's been working, too, with new wrinkles. Well, how will Darren Sproles be used? And then for Jacksonville, I-, I like Jacksonville's defense. I think that Gus Bradley's starting to put the pieces in place to have, you know, some interesting results here. I, I don't see them completely flatlining like a year ago. So Eagles offense, Gus Bradley defense, I like it. I might have to ask to watch that game. This is a big test for that Jaguars defense, who I think is greater than the sum of its parts, but... It's about as tough a matchup as you're going to have going on the road and playing the, playing the Eagles. I think the Jaguars' defense is another year away. They're a lot stingier than they were late, early, especially early last season, but they don't really have difference-making talents yet. They've got Sanderic Marks and Jonathan Cyprian and a bunch of guys. They've got veterans, too, that they're going to have to basically overhaul sooner than later. But I do think that you've got a lot of guys like in Seattle. You want about one team that is maybe doing something Seattle-like? I see it a little bit with Jacksonville's defense because it's a guy that knows how that was actually done. Be a lot more watchable if Blake Bortles was starting this game. He will be in by halftime. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we all take the Eagles in that game. No surprise there. We all took the Vikings, who are actually road uh, underdogs this week. So it's strange. We all picked uh, the underdog. They're going to St. Louis. It's an interesting game. The Vikings are one of our team of ATL candidates. And uh, I guess that's why we all had to go with them. I thought this was a 50-50 game. Uh, you know, sometimes on Twitter we get comments that we're biased. Well, yeah, of course we are. 
We're not journalists. Right. What do you mean by bias, though? Bias I don't like what? the Rams. They're boring. They <laughs> refuse to upgrade their quarterback situation. They play in a mausoleum. So I subconsciously, when I go in to pick games, the Rams are usually one team that I give the benefit of the doubt. I think the it's other the side. worst home crowd in the NFL. Well, yeah, you right wouldn't now. even concern yourself with where this is being played. And you've, I thought Bradford actually looked improved in that passing game before he went down compared to what we think of Sam Bradford. That's out the door, obviously. Listen, I for me, I, the Vikings have a lot going on. I think they're, they're they were my pick for the team of ATL, and I think that uh, whether or not it's Teddy and he has to wait a while to play, Castle is not a guy, not a bad guy to carry the ship until then. Greg Robinson, the number two overall pick of the draft, is benched for this game, which is a deeply disappointing decision for the Rams. I'm, I'm sure they're not they're not they were not planning on that. They're not happy about that. They could have just drafted Blake Bortles and started him this game. Ooh, that would have been nice. They they do still have Chris Long and Michael Brockers and Robert Quinn and Ogletree. It's you know this does should... any team do a worse job developing their offensive players that they pick? Well, good. No, goes back to the coordinator Brian Schottenheimer. You got mentioned. On They've our put podcast. a lot of first through third round picks into that offense, and you're right. Where's the development? Cowboys 49ers, pretty fun game. Dan Hansis once again went on a limb. He went with the Cowboys. The rest of us went with the 49ers. I'm really down on the 49ers this year, and yet I still couldn't quite pull the trigger going up against this defense. This is the perfect recipe for the 49ers to shut everyone up and score 35 points and just put the preseason behind them. Out of Dan's hero picks, I think this might be the one that I could most easily see happening. Hmm. I could see it happening. I, I don't think any the, of them are crazy except for Seahawks-Packers. And even that one, at least you're riding a good team. I could see the Cowboys dropping 35 points on the 49ers defense this week. That's what he's got to hope for, that kind of a game. I, Romo, last time, I don't know if it was the last time, but when they played the Niners and Romo was injured late game, one of the gutsiest performances, completely forgotten for a guy that's always sold down the river. I, I like the Dallas offense week after week depending on these guys staying healthy. And we'll find out real fast what's going on with the 49ers offense. <laughs> Once again, our shadowy league figure known as John Marvel shaking his head. He doesn't like the Cowboys offense. There's a lot to like. You got Tyron Smith, the best left Come tackle on in, in the and league. talk about it. Exactly. You got Tony Romo before he gets injured. You got Jason Witten before he gets injured. You got Des Bryant before about he gets to injured. I like Calvin Johnson line issue. is what I like. DeMarco I Murray, too. The line is much better. I, I think this game could be in the 30s or the 40s. Should be a lot of fun. It's in the late uh, Fox window. Carolina and Tampa Bay, which is the game, kind of the under-the-radar game that I'm most excited about because I want to see what this Bucks defense looks like. I want to see what the Panthers look like and Cam Newton. We're not sure as of this taping, if, even if he's definitely starting. He's expected to start. We're allowed to change our picks, by the way. If Cam Newton doesn't start... Chris Wesseling, you took the Panthers. I assume there's you would no way I'm backing Derek Anderson. Okay, so no you, you could change that if Cam Newton doesn't start. But I took the Bucks anyways. Even before the rib thing, we were concerned about Newton. Yeah, he just doesn't look the same. He's not going to give you on the ground the weapon that he did in past seasons, and they're already depleted in terms of who he can throw to. So I picked the Panthers too, and I'm already wondering why. But I look across at Tampa Bay and I say, listen, this front seven against what we saw from that offensive line, could be an all-out assault. So they're the, another division that's all division games this week, NFC South. And uh, I think Lovey Smith gets off to a fast start, with or without Cam Newton. Dan Hansis agreed with me. Kevin Patrick was with you guys, so three of you chose the Panthers in that game. 
And uh, it's two great defenses. I mean, the the one hesitation I had was the Bucks are a great defense. I think the Bucks will be a great defense. Yeah. Hmm. Got a lot. Look of at the talent, and look at the coach. What's what's not to like? Well, I think great. I don't know. I guess they I haven't wouldn't put them it, in the I top think, ten yet. Well, Wesley, I think how they'll about be in the top five by the end of the year. Gerald McCoy and company against a Panthers line that has right. four players starting in new positions. That could go ugly with Cam Newton running around like someone from our newsroom down there. <laughs> Very no, ugly. Well said. Levante David could go off. This is a recipe for quarterbacks to get injured this game. because This both game o- will be 3 nothing. Both offensive lines are terrible, and both defensive lines are incredible. 3 nothing. I like it. Last game of the week that we'll talk about, Giants and Lions. Uh, we all went with the Lions, so that just shows the amount of distrust, I guess, we have with Eli we'll Manning right now. We'll talk about right a now. team that needs to prove it to us before we start picking them in games. Who? The Giants? Yeah. Well, what about the Lions? They have Terrell Austin, the their Lions defensive coordinator. The Lions, on paper, have they, some amazing talent. They have solid talent on paper, although I think... Just because it's so good at the top five, it gets a little overcooked. What's your argument to pick New York if you're if you're suggesting one of us should have done that? That they're two lame teams that play each other and crazy things happen. It's it's closer to a coin flip. So why pick the more annoying of the two teams? <laughs> it's a coin flip game. I went with the Lions. I just don't think the Giants. The Giants have a better defense. Do they have a better defense than the Lions? I would probably take their know. defense over the Lions. Well, they have a lot I, of new parts. I went with the Lions because I think they are significantly more a be, significantly better team than the Giants. I think Eli Manning needs to prove he's not on the decline that's going to be the big storyline there this year. I just wonder if he has another season like last season, if any of those guys are back next year. Here's Is, my lock of the week, Golden Tate, three touchdowns. Lock of the week. Lock it up. <laughs> Duracell. The gold standard will be happy with that pick. By the way, we all, as I said, we all took the Lions. My power pick of the week, if you guys were curious, was Vikings over Rams. Chris Wessling's power pick, sponsored by Duracell, was the Saints over the Falcons. Thanks to the power pick rules that you have established, that I was able to pick that game, I was shocked that the Saints were eligible for a power <laughs> yeah, pick. Yeah, we, we've, we've made it a rule that you can't pick uh, an easy pick. So we have to pick a game that, that should be close You know, going into the week. You can't just pick a heavy favorite or anything like that. Not that we know what that is. All right. We've, we've run out of time. We've talked about every game. We're going to do this every Friday it's going to come out, and you can download it on iTunes, get it on Stitcher, all that good stuff. Uh, I think that's it for Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, TD, and one big shadowy league figure, John Marvel. I'm Greg Rosenthal. See you next time. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 